Hey everyone, it's Brendan here from Cookville Ghost Hunters. Have you ever wanted to create your own podcast, but didn't have the money or time into researching it? If you answered yes to any of those questions, then Anchor is your answer. Anchor is a free podcasting application where you can create your own podcasts with some creation tools that allow you to record and edit from your computer, and even your phone. You can also make money off of them with no minimum listeners required. They'll even distribute your podcast so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so much more. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to Anchor today. My understanding of voodoo is that it was important to the people who practiced it because it helped them survive. There are practical ways that it enabled survival. It used herbal medicine to heal, to aid in childbirth. It was a spiritual system. It made room for hope and for magic and for possibilities, for people who struggle and fight to survive and who fight to live. Those are really important things. Jasmine Ward Hello, my friends, and thank you all for coming back to the podcast. As always, I'm your host, Brandon. Today, we'll be discussing a commonly mistaken religion. Can you guess what it is? No? Well, it's voodoo. Before I explain it, I'd like to ask a question. When I mentioned voodoo, what came to your mind? Needles puncturing, voodoo dolls, spells and incantations? Were your thoughts positive or negative? If you've seen a lot of Hollywood movies, then your perception of voodoo is most likely negative. Almost frightful. And I will be honest, that was my original thought too, before conducting research for this episode. So why am I bringing up voodoo? As with many things... They aren't inherently bad. It's some practitioners that give voodoo a bad name. Entities can be conjured up by the wrong person, and some locations can be haunted by something that had influence with evil voodoo. So I'd like to explain a little more of voodoo's belief. If any of you are listening and you're current practitioners of voodoo, and if I miss something in this episode, feel free to email me correct revisions. Going into this, I already know I am going to be horrible with the pronunciation, and I apologize in advance. But getting into it, voodoo, or voodoo, is considered a polytheistic religion, meaning it believes in the teachings of many gods, which are referred to as Iwa. Um, Iwas, god, spirits, deities... From my understanding, you can use the words interchangeably when speaking about voodoo, and it applies to the same thing. According to LearnReligions.com, Iwa are considered to be divine beings who serve as intermediaries between man and Bandai, which is the supreme voodoo god. So throughout this episode, you're going to hear the name Bandai a lot. I believe it's Bandai either Bandai or Bandai. Again, you you were forewarned about my pronunciation, but Bandai is the supreme voodoo god. So comparing voodoo to Christianity, uh, Bandai is the voodoo version of God. Uh, Comparing Bandai to, let's say, uh, Greek mythology, because Greek mythology is also polytheistic, Bondi would be the example of Zeus, just for you 
Greek nerds out there, uh, many different Iwas are associated with different things. The Iwa that is associated with crossroads and who serves as like the main intermediary between man and the spirit world is named Papa Legba. He is often seen as a fertility Iwa or a trickster in other customs. He also sometimes appears as a protector of children. Uh, Papa Legba and... Uh, so, a lot of the Iwas have different uh, forms, if you will, depending on which voodoo you're referring to. As you'll find out later, uh, there is a difference between New Orleans voodoo and, say, Haitian voodoo. We'll get into those more, but um, Papalegba is associated with the colors black and red and is often portrayed as an elderly man that wears a straw hat. So with all this, we're not going to be discussing every single Iowa. We're just going to talk about main ones, the ones that are more commonly worshipped than the others. So a second Iowa that is mainly discussed is named uh, Mamen Brigette. Brigette? Brigetti? Brig Mamen Brigette. Again, you were warned. This Iowa is normally associated with death and the underworld and is connected to the Iowa Baron Samedi. Actually, I think I got that one. Uh, which is also known as the Iowa of Death and keeper of cemeteries. Being portrayed as a skeletal figure, he's also the Iowa of Resurrection. So right there, we just mentioned two different Iwas, and they are more commonly paired together. Mama and Brigitte and Baron Samedi. They're the two that are often associated with death. So if a person who practiced voodoo has a death in the family, more than likely a sacrifice could be made in either of their names. What's really interesting, though, is only uh, Baron Samedi is known as the Iowa of Resurrection. So I found that pretty interesting. But like I said, if I say the words Iowa or Iowa, you can use the word gods instead, and it, it pretty much means the same thing. But while we're on the subject of uh, Baron Samedi, LearnReligions.com described him a little bit more by saying, quote, He is known for outrageous and lewd behavior, swearing and fornicating with women other than his wife. Baron Samedi is also the Iowa to call upon for work with ancestors long dead, and can cure any mortal wound, as long as the recipient is willing to pay his price. Baron Samedi is connected to powerful acts of magic and is the leader of the Gyud? Gyud? Oh. The family of Iowa who work with the dead. So, like I said, there are the Iwas, and then there are what I would refer to as minor Iwas. The Gyud are the family of Iwas that embody the powers of death and fertility. 
So basically you have the main one, Baron Samedi, who is associated with this family of Iwas. So next on the list is Urzuli. Yeah, Urzuli. The Iowa of Beauty and Love. Uh, LearnReligions.com describes Urzuli by stating, quote, She appears in several different aspects, including Urzeli Dantor and Mambo Urzuli for, for okay, uh, much like the Christian Lady of Sorrows, Urzuli often grieves for that which she cannot obtain, and sometimes leaves a ceremony weeping. She is sometimes depicted as a black Madonna, and other times as an upper-class, light-skinned, mixed-raced woman in fine clothing and expensive jewelry. She and her family of Iowa can be called upon for matters related to motherhood. So before I continue, I I just want to make clear that I'm sorry if these pronunciations are incorrect. If any of you do practice voodoo, please email me uh, correct pronunciations as some of these I could not find. And I will be able to fix them in, a net, in another episode. So this next one, uh, according to what I found was not an original Vudan Iwa. Instead, he came from the Yoruba belief, and his name is Algun. Yoruba are the ethnic group that inhabits Western Africa. So I just want to make a quick mention of that, since I was unfamiliar with that group. But back to voodoo. Algun is associated with warriors, blacksmiths, and voodoo practitioners would make sacrifices to him in order to secure a successful hunt. So, I didn't find out a whole lot more about Algun, but I found that interesting nonetheless, that they worshipped an Iwa that was not what I believe to be an original Iwa. But, anyways... Getting closer to the end of the list is an Iowa that's represented as a giant serpent and is often known as the Iowa that helped Bondé in the creation of the world. And his name is Dambala. Okay, that was easy. He is known as the keeper of knowledge, healing magic, and wisdom. It said his female counterpart, Ayeda... Oh... Yeah, Ida Wedo, which is often referred to as the Rainbow Serpent. So, Iwas take the form in whatever they choose, from my understanding. So, for example, Papa Legba is often portrayed as an old woman, old man. Excuse me, English is hard. He is often referred to as an old man wearing a straw hat and is often accompanied by his dog. So, in my opinion, this Iwa Dembala, he chooses to be portrayed as a giant serpent. Which, it's pretty cool. Uh, the last Iwa I'll discuss for this episode is Oshun, the Iwa of Waters. She's also associated with beauty and pleasure. 
She is also tied to wealth, and sacrifices made in her name can bless those with an abundance of wealth. So now we've gotten through the worst part, which is the pronunciations, and I'm going to apologize again. I'm sorry if I butchered them. English is hard enough for me as it is. But I want to talk about how Voudan came to America. So some archaeologists speculate that voodoo began in West Africa around 6,000 years ago. However, we'll start with Haitian voodoo, which is believed to have started between the 16th and 19th century. Voodoo, which voodoo, voodon, voodoo, they're pretty much all the same thing from my understanding. Uh, Voodoo was developed by Afro-Haitian communities during the Atlantic slave trade on the island named Hispaniola. West African slaves were brought there. The island was owned by French colonists, which their religion was Roman Catholic. So basically what you had was slaves that had their main religion was voodoo. And when you have uh, people of Roman Catholic belief capturing these people as slaves, one of the things they want to do is they want to convert. So they give you a choice, either convert to Roman Catholic or die. So when a lot of people, uh, a lot of Haitians, what they did is they made it seem like they converted to Roman Catholic. Instead, that was the birth of what is known as New Orleans voodoo. New Orleans voodoo is like a different branch as Haitian voodoo. So I guess an example that I understood was you have like Christianity as the main thing, But then you'll have thousands of branches like Baptist, Methodist, um, just different branches, but they're all the same thing, essentially. So as I did mention earlier, uh, New Orleans voodoo is more commonly known as voodoo Catholicism. As I said, the reason being was it's the blend between voodoo and and Catholicism in 1685. So the French saw voodoo as, um, quote, a savage religion. So by blending the two, the slaves were able to still practice voodoo, but it was seen as they had been successfully converted by the French. So basically, on the uh, Atlantic slave trade, one of the ports they would go to would be known as New Orleans. So that is why you will find hundreds of voodoo shops. Now what I want to do is I'd like to take a moment to uh, talk about a well-known practitioner of voodoo. Many of you might have heard of her, many of you haven't, but we will discuss her regardless. Uh, She was known as the Voodoo Queen. Her name is Marie Laveau. My research brought up different dates on her birth. Uh, One date I found was on September 10th, 
1801. And the other says she was born on S September 10th, but it was 1794. So I would go with the 1794 date myself. Um, but regardless, she was an herbalist and a practitioner of voodoo. Throughout her life, she dominated the voodoo scene and would perform several services in different locations. So she would often uh, try to heal using herbal medicines. Um, one podcast I would really recommend y'all listen to is called Haunted Places. And I believe it's their second episode that talks about Marie Laveau. It goes really in-depth, and I highly recommend you all listen to it. But she would be dethroned by her firstborn daughter, also named Marie Laveau. So a question y'all are probably asking. If voodoo isn't as it's portrayed, then what made it seem so evil? Well, it's a simple answer. Hollywood. From what I've gathered, the first movie to portray voodoo is called White Zombie. The movie came out in 1932, and a synopsis of the movie was uh, the main character referred to as the, quote, zombie master of Haiti. Uh, basically, the wife of one of the characters dies, and voodoo is used to bring her back. There are several more movies that use voodoo, and ironically, a lot of them are horror movies. Uh, Child's Play would be considered one of them, uh, which was interesting to me that they actually mentioned voodoo and not just like some different religion made up that they used in place of voodoo. So in my research, I did find a list of movies that are associated with voodoo. And I'll just make brief mentions of them because it's a pretty lengthy list. So you have uh, Angel Heart, Asylum, which was a 1972 horror film. Uh, then you have uh, Barra's Guardian of de Gama's Treasure. Okay. Then you have Beneath the Surface, Black Moon, Black Noon. Then you have the first and second child's play, uh, The Curse of the Doll People, Dead Men Don't Die, Demoni 3, uh, From a Whisper to a Scream, let's see, I Eat Your Skin, I Walked with the Zombie, Isle of the Snake People, ah, uh, these are great, uh, Live and Let Die, London Voodoo, of course. Uh, then you have Voodoo, the movie, which that came out in 1995. Then you have Voodoo Academy, Voodoo Dawn, Voodoo Island, and Voodoo Man. All of those are American horror films. Then you have, of course, White Zombie. Okay, 
So if voodoo isn't like it's portrayed in Hollywood, then explain voodoo dogs. Okay. In a majority of voodoo stores in New Orleans, uh, they do sell voodoo dolls, but they are purely sold as mementos. Although the dolls are used in voodoo, they aren't used for placing hexes or curses or trying to harm you. Uh, quite the opposite. According to LearnReligions.com, quote, The rituals in West Africa or in Haiti or New Orleans involving dolls, however, have nothing to do with inflicting harm or inv individuals deserving or not. Instead, they are meant to heal. When hung from trees in cemeteries, they are intended to open and maintain lines of communication between the recently departed. When tacked to the tree upside down, they are intended to make their creator stop caring for someone who is bad for them. So, once again, Hollywood has portrayed something neutral to be evil. As I mentioned earlier, it's some of the practitioners that give voodoo a bad name. Coming full circle with the beginning, the reason I wanted to discuss voodoo is some places have remnants of cult-like rituals, mainly in attics or basements, that seem to be of demonic nature. So there's a chance that negative energy could be in the location, yes. But again, it's the fault of the practitioners not the religion itself. But if you ever come across someone during an investigation, you, I would recommend research if you don't truly understand what you're seeing. So for example, um, symbols drawn on the floor or on the walls, if you don't understand what they mean, I would do research into them until you can further with your investigation. Um, enough of that rabbit hole though. I, I can go down there for a while. Uh, we will visit that another day in a different podcasting episode. But as always, I have been your host, Brandon. If you're enjoying listening to the podcast, feel free to give us a five-star review and share it with everyone you know, friends, family, coworkers. Um, those are the best ways to help the channel grow. Also, as a quick side note, before we end this week's episode, the website is updated a few times a week. Basically, if you want to know what's coming up, say which place we're about to investigate, all the information is on the website, as well as podcasting episodes. We have some neat investigations planned for the near future. I'm very excited for those, so please be on the lookout for them. And I'll see you all next week. Goodbye.